Do you ever get tired of doing what's right? Sometimes I feel like I just want to be done. I don't want to do the right thing anymore. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. It seems like it would be easier just to not keep doing the things that are right. And that's what Psalm 37 addresses. In Psalm 37, what we have is David writing this song that contrasts these two ways of living. The wicked way and the righteous way. And he calls us to a righteous way of living. And so I want to commend to you this morning, through the Psalm of David, a righteous life. And we'll start by looking at verse 1 of Psalm chapter 37. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. As he begins this psalm, he, he starts uh, giving us this instruction, calling us to this kind of behavior. And, and he starts off by saying, don't, don't fret. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't be troubled by evildoers. Just, just don't. Because soon they are going to fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. And that, that verse right there sets the tone for everything else that comes. Whatever you see in wicked people, whatever you see in people who um, are living a life of sin, whatever you see in them, don't, don't worry about that. When it seems like they're being really successful, don't worry about that. When it seems like they are uh, hostile, don't worry about that. Don't, don't be overly anxious. When it seems like they're succeeding and you're going, how come those people who are wicked, who are evil, are succeeding and I'm struggling, don't worry about that. Don't fret. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Do not be envious of wrongdoers. Does it ever seem like, you know, doing it the right way is the hard way to do it, but the people that are doing it wrong, they, they just come out ahead. That's not fair. Don't be envious of them. Don't be envious of them, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. The the stuff comes up. You, You notice that this time of year, right? The grass comes up and you water it and it looks great. And then you go on vacation for a week or something and you come back brown. Everything just nope. I We started to plant a garden this year. I was very well intentioned, 
uh, we had, you know, one of those little things that has all the different wells and we put the dirt in all the little wells. There were like 64 of them and we planted the little seeds and everything and it took an hour to put all the little seeds in all these little wells and then we watered it and we watered that thing faithfully for like two weeks and then I forgot. And they had little sprouts. A couple of those sprouts got almost three, four inches long and I was thinking, you know, I really need to get those in the ground and set up the drip system so that... No. Didn't happen. And so now all we've got is all these little brown wells. That's how you learn. Yep. Because it fades so quickly. It seemed like it was doing well. And oh, we were getting excited because we're going to put those in the ground and then we're going to have peas and we're going to have beans and we're going to have tomatoes and all kinds of squash and all kinds of things and yet gone. And what he's saying is don't worry about the evildoers. Don't be envious of the wrongdoers for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Instead, trust the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Trust in God. Don't don't worry about the stuff that's going on with them. Just put your hope, put your trust in God. Believe that God will do what's right. Because when we're worried about, when we're anxious about what's going on with those other people, those evildoers, those wrongdoers, when we're worried about them, it's because we don't think that ultimately God is going to come through and do what's right. Trust that God knows what He's doing. Trust that God knows what he's doing. Because he really does. Sometimes from our perspective, we look at it and go, God, I don't know what you're doing here, but this does not make sense. And I don't think that you're doing it right. Trust. Trust that maybe you don't see the whole thing yet. Trust in the Lord and continue to do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. At New Life Church, we talk about how we want to engage uh, people who are disconnected from God so they delight in Him through Jesus. So that they delight in Him. We want everybody to live this verse, that they would delight in the Lord. That they would delight in the Lord. That means that you're finding your hope, you're finding your pleasure, you're finding your satisfaction in God. And when you're finding your hope and your pleasure and your satisfaction in God, then the other stuff doesn't matter so much. I have the Lord. And look at what it says. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. When you delight in the Lord, He will give you Himself. Isn't that what it says? As you delight in Him, He will give you that desire, that delight of your, the, of your heart. You see, sometimes we get envious of those other people and we go, wow, look at what they've got. I mean, I don't know what they're doing, how they've managed to get that boat, but that looks really nice. I, I could really go for a boat this time of year. That sounds really good. I don't know how they did that, but that looks really... And and we look at the stuff, and we look at the stuff that they have, and we think, ooh, wouldn't it be nice? I bet it would be a lot of fun, too. And what it's saying here is, stop. Don't worry about those things. Delight in the Lord. 
and he will give you the desires of, of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Just keep putting your hope and your trust in him and then you will be filled up. Those things that you're worried about, the things that you're concerned about, will be taken care of. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Those things that you're worried about, that it's not going to be fair, that it's not going to be just, God is going to bring that about. And when we do what is right, He is going to bring that forward and it's going to come forward as the light. And His justice is going to come forth like the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Just sit and rest and wait on the Lord. You know, when he tells us that I really want you to do something, those of us who are uh, do-something kind of people go, okay, what do you want me to do? I want you to wait No, I, I really wanted to do something. Like, I wanted to do some good. You, you said that, that you wanted me to, to, to do good and dwell in the land. And so, so what's this good that I'm going to do? I want you to just wait. Hope in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. And wait on the Lord. This is one of the reasons, I think, that living a life that is righteous is so difficult. It's the waiting. The doing gets tiresome. We do uh, get weary of doing the good when we're running out of energy and somebody asks something of us and we go, okay, I am going to do what's right. Or somebody challenges us and they just get under our skin and we have done what's right and we have done what's right and now I'm just tired and cranky and I don't want to do what's right anymore. And it's hard to do what's right, but, but to just stop, wait, and go, okay, I'm going to take a time out, and I'm going to believe that God is going to come through on this. I am going to believe that God will come through on this. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. He likes that word, doesn't he? He's used this several times, this, this, this getting worked up, this anxious, being troubled, this fretting or worrying kind of a word. Fret not yourself, because it tends only toward evil. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, because it tends toward evil. That's where we, again, have to just stop and go, out. Because as I'm getting worked up, as my anger begins to rise, as I begin to get frustrated, the chances 
that I am going to continue to do what's good in that get smaller and smaller. Rarely do I find, after I have really been angry and exploded, that I go, you know, I handled that really well. I just, I should get angry all the time because I make my best decisions when I'm angry. That that doesn't happen. Or, uh, I relate to people the best when I'm angry. Doesn't happen. Which is why he says, refrain from anger. Forsake. Give it up. Turn away from the wrath. Don't, don't, uh, become anxious or, or, or fret. Because it tends only toward evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Just take a time out and stop and wait. Lord, what do I need from this? Lord, what are you doing in this? And when it doesn't look right, or when it doesn't feel right, or when you're beginning to get angry, or when you're beginning to be anxious, or any of those things, you just... Take a time out and trust that the Lord is going to follow through. He's going to get it done. And you can just sit back and wait. And what I think is interesting is that he starts off this psalm and he gives us all of these instructions right away. And if I was writing this psalm, I would have put all these instructions at the end. Because what he ends up doing is he gives us all of these instructions to trust in the Lord and not fret and delight yourself and commit your ways to the Lord and be still before the Lord and refrain from anger. And he gives you all of these instructions about how you're supposed to live a righteous life. And then he tells you why. I would have done it the other way around and started off with this is why you should want to live a righteous life and then tell you how, but not David. David just goes, commit yourself to the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Don't worry. Wait on the Lord. Don't be angry. And then he starts to list all of the reasons why. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Then in verse 10, in a little while the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken." Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine they have abundance, but the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by Him shall be cut off. He he just starts listing all of these things and, and says, look, don't worry about those wicked people because in a little while the wicked people are going to be no more. That's what it says in verse 10. 
And even if you, you look for them, right? You, you go, hey, whatever happened to so-and-so? Remember how they were doing really well and very prosperous and it just seemed like they had absolutely everything? We do this with celebrities sometimes, right? Where you go, hey, you remember that one celebrity who was in all those movies? Whatever happened to them? I don't know. Because you, you know, you watched Netflix or something and this old movie came up and it reminded you about that actor that used to be in everything and now you don't see them anymore and you go, whatever happened to them? And you start looking and you Google it. Whatever happened to so and so? Nothing. And so you go, well, that, I mean, somebody has to know. And so you start looking a little bit deeper. Nope. And you start asking people, hey, does anybody know what happened to so-and-so? No. And no matter how hard you search or how much you try to find out, you will never find out because they just are no more. That's what it says here. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. And though you look carefully at his place, he won't be there. It seemed like they were prosperous. It seemed like what they were doing seemed to be so much better than what I'm doing. Their results seem to be so much better. But when it comes right down to it, in a few years, you'll look back and go, hang on, what happened to them? And you won't even know. Because they're just gone. However, in contrast to that, it says in verse 11, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. It feels like I have heard that before somewhere. The meek shall inherit the land. Where have I heard that before? Jesus. Jesus, on the Sermon on the Mount in in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is listing, blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are are the outcast, and blessed are all of these different people, blessed are those who mourn. And one of those that he says is, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And I've always wondered, how come he put that in there? Why did he just all of a sudden, I mean, he just lists these things. And as I was reading the psalm, I went, whoa! That's like the same words. Jesus said this. I bet he was referring to this psalm. How come I never heard that before? Well, I never heard anybody preach on Psalm 37 before. So now, as we're going through the Psalms and we find ourselves in Psalm 37, and this is why you should read the whole Bible, because it's amazing how different parts of the Bible connect with each other in surprising ways that you never anticipated. And this is one of those, that Jesus is drawing back from Psalm 37, and he just puts in this one phrase that he goes, everyone will know that this phrase refers to Psalm 37. Because when have you ever heard, the meek shall inherit anything before? Right? So when he just uses that one phrase, but the meek shall inherit the earth, he is tying directly back and he's preaching on the Sermon on the Mount and he is preaching and he's saying, look it, all of those things that you heard about back there, remember all of Psalm 37? There were 40 verses there, but I'm just going to give you this key verse that reminds you about all of those things because this is happening right now. Here I am. I am bringing this to be. It is beginning right now as he's preaching this. He's telling you, look it, the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in the abundant peace. And as we read through it, we're reading through the Sermon on the Mount and we come to this verse and go, the meek shall inherit the earth. What are you talking about? 
The meek never inherit the earth. I feel a little meek. I'm not inheriting anything. But he's bringing us back to Psalm 37 where David is writing this down and he's, he's telling us this very thing. Look it, you thought that the wicked were getting everything and they aren't. Because in just a little while, gone. And though you look for them, you won't be able to find them. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at them, but the Lord laughs at the wicked for he sees that his day is coming. Have you ever seen somebody get really mad and make a threat and you know they have no ability to carry that threat out? And so you can't help but laugh? (laughs) Sorry, I didn't... I know you're mad. I didn't mean to laugh in your face. I just know. There's no way you could do that. You have no authority there. You have no power there. You, you can't, you're just throwing a temper tantrum. And that's all you've got is your temper tantrum. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows that his day is coming. In fact, in verse 14 it says, The wicked will draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy and to slay those whose way is upright. And they're just getting ready. They're going to slaughter them and they're going to take all their stuff because they're poor. And what can they, they do about it? Because they know, oh, that's an upright person. and They're just going to do what's good. And so I'm just going to attack them. And what's going to happen? Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. I don't know if you've ever pulled back on a bowstring and had that thing snap where something breaks. That hurts. That hurts. Or you, 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 (laughs) when I was reading this, I just couldn't help it. I just, the wicked draw their sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy to slay those who are upright and their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. And I just couldn't help but in the back of my mind here, you're going to shoot your eye out. Yeah, you're going to, you're going to take that gun and you're going to shoot your own eye out. And that's what he's saying here. These wicked people are going to shoot their own eyes out. What they intend to do with these weapons toward other people are just going to come right back at them. Like they take that boomerang and they go, and they forget that it comes back. And it hits them right in the face because that's what's going to happen. In fact, better is the little bit that the righteous person has than the abundance of many wicked people. Because the arms of the wicked people are going to be broken. But the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless and, the herit- and their heritage will remain forever. They shall not be put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they have abundance. The Lord is going to come through. There's going to be heritage for those who um, follow the Lord. But for the wicked, verse 20, but the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish and like smoke, they vanish away. The wicked borrows and doesn't pay back, but those who are righteous are generous and give. It is amazing to me to see people who are righteous and their generosity and the way that they give, even when they don't have a lot. You look at it and go, if I were to um, need money, I should go to a rich person, right? Except often that's not the case. 
Often, if you are in need, you don't go to a rich person, you go to a generous person. And a generous person doesn't have to be, have a lot to be generous with what they have. The wicked borrows but doesn't pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those that are cursed by Him shall be cut off. There's just this contrast between the wicked and their end and what's going to happen to them. And they're going to be cut off and they're going to be no more and they're going to destroy themselves with their own uh, plans. And yet, the righteous, it's going to be something different for them. Verse 23, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. When you delight in the way of the Lord, your steps are going to be established by him. Isn't that comforting? If I delight in the Lord, my steps are going to be established by Him. There are these times when we find ourselves worrying. Am I doing the right thing? Am I going to do the right thing? Is this what God wants me to do? And here's what it says. If we delight ourselves in the Lord, He's going to establish our steps. So delight yourself in the Lord and just keep walking and He will establish your steps as you're going. You don't have to worry about, are you getting it exactly right? Because as you delight in the Lord, He's going to ensure that you do. We can leave that part up to Him. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. That, that's a real comforting verse. At first, I look at that and go, oh, okay, thanks, I'm going to fall. Yeah, but not headlong. You'll fall, but you won't fall headlong because the Lord's going to uphold you. Have you ever walked hand in hand with somebody and one of you trips over something and, and you begin to fall and the other person pulls you up? And so you tripped and you stumbled and you started to fall, but you didn't fall all the way down. You didn't smack your face on the concrete because... God pulled you up. Though he fall, he, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young, and now I am old. Yet for I have not seen the righteous forsaken, or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. The Lord is faithful, and he walks with his people when they walk with him in righteousness. Turn away from evil and do good. So, sh so shall you turn away from evil and do good. So shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. He just keeps talking about all of these things that the Lord will do and all these things that God's people as righteous people will do as they walk with Him in righteousness. The law of God is in His heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put Him to death. The Lord will not abandon Him to His power or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. And he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. 
I've seen a wicked and ruthless man and spreading himself like a green laurel tree, but he passed away and behold, he was no more. And though I sought him, he could not be found. Mark the blameless and behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace, but the transgressors shall be altogether destroyed and the future of the wicked shall be cut off. I love this in verse 31. The law of God is on his heart and his steps do not slip. The law of God is on his heart and his steps don't slip. When we know who God is and when we are spending time in his word, we walk sure-footedly because we are with him. But one of the reasons that I love this verse is not just because of the wisdom that comes from being in God's word and how it helps to establish our steps as we delight in him so that we don't stumble and fall, but He upholds us. But more so because in Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah the prophet draws from this, the same idea, and he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. This is Jeremiah 31, 31. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, My covenant that they broke, even though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. You see, Jeremiah is talking about this. David is giving us these principles that the wicked people, they end up in destruction and the righteous people who walk with God, they end up uh, in, in uh, righteous living and in success with God. And that they have the law of God written on their hearts. And what Jeremiah is saying is that God is very literally doing that. He is putting their law within them. And this is going to be the new covenant, this anticipated time when all of this will come to bear. All of this will, will be fulfilled. And then in verse, in uh, Psalm 37, we see that this continue, the, the, contrast between the end of the wicked and the end of the righteous person and where are they both going to end up right because we can see in the middle what's going on we can see just right now in this moment in this snapshot we can see who looks like they are ahead and who looks like they are behind and what he's doing is he's going stop don't worry about that think about the long term because in the long term they are going to lose and the righteous are going to win out I used to run cross country and I can remember uh, my first meet. I had run track for, for several years and I had run the 400 meter, which is one lap around the track. And so I knew how to run the 400 meter. I knew how to run the 400 meter pretty well. And I was getting ready to run this uh, race for the for um, a three mile race for cross country. And the, they said, OK. What you're going to do for this course, you're going to run one lap around the track and then you're going to go off the track and out into the woods and you're going to come back around and finish back at the track again. And I went, okay. And so we lined up and I knew how to run one lap. I knew how to run one lap real well. 
And I finished that lap first. Way first. I did not finish the race first. Because I ran that first lap fast. And then I spent the next 45 seconds trying to catch my breath and wishing that anyone would pass me so I knew how to run this race. It's not, if you had looked at that race at the beginning and you had looked at me running that race, you would have gone, that guy is going to win. Look at how far ahead that guy is. And my coach was going, oh no. Because he knew I wasn't going to win that race. I'd be lucky to finish that race. Don't worry about where the wicked are at right now. Where are they going to end up? Mark the blameless and behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. But transgressors shall be altogether destroyed, and the future of the wicked shall be cut off. Verse 39, the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps him. And delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in Him. Where are they going to end up? Those who trust in the Lord are going to end up in success with Him. And those who are wicked are not. Don't worry about them. Don't be envious of them. Don't be angry about them. Don't worry about them. Just rest. Wait on the Lord and for His timing. Trust in what He's going to do. And as we've been reading through this psalm, it reminds us of uh, Romans chapter 8 because we just did Romans chapter 8. And we just had a very similar comparison in Romans chapter 8 where it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Look, when we look at these two ways in, in Psalm 37 of the wicked person and the righteous person, what we find is that we really want to be the righteous person. We really want to walk with God. We really want to trust in God. We really want to refrain from anger. And what we find is that it's really hard to do that. And we want the results of the righteous person and we want to hope and trust right now. But what we find is that it's hard to do that. And so when, when Paul is writing about this in the book of Romans, he is contrasting uh, those who are living according to the flesh, which is like the wicked person from Psalm 37, and those who are living according to the Spirit, like those who are righteous in Psalm 37. Because by sending Jesus, His Son, those righteous requirements are fulfilled in us who are now able to walk by, according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of flesh, but 
Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the things of flesh is death, but to set the mind on the things of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. This, to me, as we're pulling it all together now. We have Psalm 37, which contrasts these two things. The way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And Jeremiah, in in chapter 31, the prophet, looks back at that and looks forward at what is to come when at one point God will, in the new covenant, write uh, His law on our hearts so that we can walk with Him. Then Jesus, in in Luke chapter 22, says, I am now here. I am now enacting this new covenant. He'd been preaching about it through his uh, ministry. He'd been explaining that the time was coming, the kingdom was now coming. And now he says, and now this is a new covenant in my blood. Those things that were described by Jeremiah are now taking place. And Paul, on the other side of the cross, says, and because Jesus has done that now, we have the Holy Spirit within us, and so we walk in righteousness, not by our own strength, but by the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And it all comes back to what Jesus has done on the cross. That Jesus on the cross, removed our sin and gave us righteousness so that we might walk in righteousness and have the results that Psalm 37 describes. And so as, uh, as we finish this morning, we're going to take communion together. And during the next song, I, I want you to come up and uh, take the bread and the cup back to your seat. And we will celebrate... Uh, what God has done through Jesus on our behalf. Okay, let's pray. Father, we uh, come to you and we say, Lord, would you make us to be righteous? That we might not worry about the wicked. That we might not worry about their plots and plans that we might not worry about what they would do to us, that we might not uh, be envious of them when they appear to be succeeding more than we are. Father, that we would not be worried about them, but that we might do good and walk in righteousness before you. Father, we pray that you would fill us with your Spirit, that we might know that we are your people, And that we might walk in step with you. And as we trust you and as we wait upon you, that you would make our steps firm, the path clear, and our end certain. 
that we might spend eternity with you. And we ask for all of these things according to the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.